0: And you did so beautifully. Thank you for being involved right where you're sitting. I want to, I want to talk to you tonight um, from my heart. I try to do that every time, but um, not everybody went to HYC. So I really felt to have this service tonight because God dealt with me, I'll say, at, at, at HYC on the second day at the altar and Brother Borders began to preach and stirred my heart and then at the altar God began to deal with me about our youth group and God began to just work on my heart work on my life so I wanted to set the tone this year and talk to you First Samuel chapter number 17 this is a Portion of Scripture, they tell you in Bible college never preach this portion of Scripture because it's wore out. And I understand what they mean. So many people preach about David and Goliath. And I don't think I ever have preached about David and Goliath. So I'm going to break one of the rules of Bible college and I'm going to preach about David and Goliath tonight. And. We're going to just read a couple verses, starting at verse number 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. So... This is David and a confrontation with his older brother. Can anybody in here relate to a confrontation with a sibling? Yeah, okay, yeah. So you can relate to a confrontation with a sibling. And this is an older sibling getting on to a younger sibling. Because David came and he had the audacity to have courage. And he said, who is this Philistine? Who is this giant that's out there defying the armies of the living God? And David had the courage and was doing some talking and talking around and saying, we, ha- we have the ability to kill this guy. And his brother was mad at him. And then David says this famous words. And David said, what have I now done? What's my sin? What's wrong? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And so I'm going to preach to you for the, just a very few minutes. Axiom is worth fighting for. Axiom is worth fighting for. And like I said, I would the Lord began to deal with me as Brother Borders preached a church worth fighting for. And so God began to work on me in that altar call and gave me time. I'm not going to preach that message, but it was in that altar call that God laid this on my heart, that axiom is worth fighting for. You may be seated. Is there not a cause? Now, you could preach this story. The reason why they say don't preach it is because it is worn out, and preachers have forever preached this story because it is the greatest story Possibly a victory ever in the Bible, maybe ever even in human history. They even use it in sports to say that, oh, the David killed the Goliath. And one of the most popular writers of our day, Malcolm Gladwell, writes nonfiction. He wrote a whole book entitled David and Goliath. It is a popular story, not just because of that it's in the Bible, but because an underdog story. It, it stirs us because there's somebody that should not have won that won. So you can preach it all kinds of different ways. And I've heard people preach it, that you can defeat any enemy and that you can do anything that you want to do if you just put your mind to it or put your heart to it and whatever. And, and you can go the inspirational route if you want to. But what I want to pull out is interesting about this story is that it was not at all about killing a giant. It was not about a victory at all. It was not about David winning the victory for the Israelites. It was about pushing David to be the king that he needed to be. It took him from a shepherd boy that nobody knew to a national hero where everybody started whispering, maybe David should be our king. It, it promoted him instantaneously. So God was doing something much bigger than just giving one victory. But what I wanted to show you and what I wanted to point out and what I wanted to just talk about is not really all the depth of the story and all the intricate things, is that something in David's heart said, This is worth fighting for. That is what now, in the midst of everybody else, hiding, everybody else saying it's not worth it. My life is not worth giving up to defy this giant. Now, that the tactic was fear. The tactic was a bluff. It was a nine foot tall. Historians think man coming out and saying instead of your army and my army facing off, send me one man and we will fight to the death and the winner will be the ruler over the loser. It was a, a tactic, a political tactic to scare and to intimidate. And it was working. It was working because this man was nine feet tall. He looked impressive and nobody would even step foot on the battlefield. Nobody thought that the battle was worth fighting. Nobody except until a Boy, we don't really know. Maybe he was 16 years old. We don't really know how old he was. He was not old enough or thought well enough of to join the regular army, but he was coming to bring snacks to his brothers that were hiding out in holes and calling it fighting. And he came to bring all these snacks to them. And what they did is they laughed at him because he got there and he's delivering the food. And he hears the call of the giant yelling down in the valley. And the the Israelites are hiding on mountains and no one's answering the call and no one's coming down. And so they're just hiding there. And he starts saying that... uh, Well, who's going to go down? Who's going to fight? How dare he defy the armies of the living God? How dare he blaspheme the name of our God? And And he is getting this kind of anger and he's deciding that he's going to fight and his brothers try to talk him out of it. They try to talk him out of his zeal, of his zealousness. They say, you you have a pride, you have a naughtiness of your heart. And, and he responds with this very cutting remark. And the Bible says nothing about what his brother responded because he said, is there not a cause? Is there not something that is worth fighting for in our country, in our life, for our God, in our kingdom? Is there not something worth fighting for? And the interesting thing about the story of David, which I already mentioned that book by Malcolm Gladwell that he points out that perhaps even now, of course, we believe in the supernatural power of God and we believe that God directed the stone. If you know the story, he used a slingshot and he slung the stone and it hit uh, Goliath right in between the eyes and he fell down, knocked out unconscious. And David ran up, took his sword and cut his head off. And so, of course, we believe that God supernaturally guided the stone, but this guy that's not really a Christian, Malcolm Gladwell, not a Christian at all, it points out that if you look at the nature of warfare in that day and time, that a slingshot was not what it is today, it was not a toy, it was actually a a weapon that they would have whole uh, divisions of the army that were slingers. They were like the archers, and they were very skilled and very crafted. So David was just fighting a different kind of warfare. So it really wasn't that unequally matched. And then David went out with the right attitude, and he said, You come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. So he, he just had the courage to step out onto the battlefield, and the battle was won the moment he took the first step. The moment he decided to fight because God has no rival. We sang that song on Sunday, you have no rival, you have no equal. We talk about the devil, but he's not God's rival. He's not God's equal. He's not somebody that has equal power in your life and equal influence over you. He is somebody that has no power over your life and no influence on you At least to stand out like Goliath and boast, dare you to come out. And hope that nobody challenges him. Hope that nobody really steps out. Hope that everybody just looks and sees some sort of giant that's huge but never gets up close enough to see his vulnerabilities. Never gets up close enough to see that God can take care of somebody that's nine feet tall. That God can take care of an enemy and God can take care of anything in your life. But, but it's that fear, it is that bluff of the enemy that does that says it's not even worth you fighting. It's not even worth you stepping on the battlefield. But the minute that you step on the battlefield, the minute that you decide to fight, the battle is won. The battle is won the minute you stand up and you decide to fight. But the battle will always be lost within action. I I think about this. What did they think that they were going to accomplish by hiding and never confronting the issue and never going out? Do you think that they were just going to wait on Goliath to die of old age? They think they're just going to wait. Maybe if we wait 50 years, he'll just fall over dead of natural causes and then the Philistines will go home. I don't think that's what was going to happen. There was literally nothing to be done but surrender. They were just prolonging the surrender. So the longer you prolong the battle in living for God, you're just setting up your surrender. You're just setting, the longer you're in hold pattern. Now, here's where we get down to application because Axiom Youth is worth fighting for. I've got three things that are worth fighting for. And number one is your eternity. Your eternity is worth fighting for. If nothing else is worth it, whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell is worth fighting for. And the longer that you put off the decision to live for God, you are just calculating your surrender because if you stay in your hold, there's no path to to victory if you stay unsettled undecided it's just sitting in the middle wishy-washy maybe i will live for god maybe i won't maybe i'll be the church kid and maybe i'll be the cool kid maybe i'll be this and i'm never going to take a stand and step out by faith and say i'm going to do this thing i'm going to live for god then you're just pushing off the inevitable which is surrender which is losing out your salvation There's no other salvation given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. That is a truth that you cannot avoid. There is no salvation anywhere else. You're not going to find it. You could try Eastern religion. You could try meditation. You could try getting a good career. You could try being really rich. But you're never going to find salvation for your soul. There's still going to be death. And there's still going to be judgment in your life. The only thing that will solve that is if you're baptized in Jesus' name. And if you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's it. There's nothing else. That's going to work. The longer you put off that decision, the longer you hide out and don't confront the issue of sin and unrighteousness in your life that is yelling at you and saying, Nut, it's not going to work. If you try to live for God, you're just going to fail. If, if you really take a stand, nobody's going to stand with you. No, nobody's going to support you. Everybody's going to turn their back on you. It's not worth it. Well, let me tell you, your eternity is worth it. It's worth the scorn of your friends. It's worth losing a relationship. It's worth losing a boyfriend. It's worth losing a girlfriend. My soul is worth it. It's worth, it's worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for. Your eternity is worth fighting for. Your future is worth fighting for. Not just your eternal future. That's, an, that's it, enough. That's enough to take a stand and say, I'm going to fight. And I'm, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to call the devil's bluff. I'm going to step out on the field of battle. But God has a future for you. And your future is worth fighting for. Now, now listen, when David stepped onto that battlefield, he didn't. the battle was not over when Goliath's head was cut off. The battle was just beginning. Because then David had to face the anger of a king that was on his way out. On a king that God had deselected. He had to be chased from his home. He had to run and hide in the wilderness. He had to reign in exile for seven years over king of one tribe. Until God brought him in and made him king of all the tribes. There was a, and, then his son, and then later in his life he, he messed up and sin came in. And he had to deal with that. And his son rose up in rebellion against him. His life was full of all kinds of struggles. And all kinds of things that he had to face. So Goliath was not the end. But it was the beginning of his battle. It was the beginning beginning of his destiny of being the king that the lord would say that i am come of the seed and lineage of david i'm gonna make my messiah come through you because you are such a great king he was stepping into that destiny that's full of battles but it was rewarding because god had a plan for his life bigger than any plan he could have as a shepherd your future is worth fighting for And listen, there could be some young people out there that don't hear this message. Maybe they they don't have the opportunities that you have, and they can just go on and kind of pretend like God doesn't have a call on their life. But that's not this group. The line has already been drawn in the sand. The call has already been. David was already anointed before he stepped out onto that battlefield. Now, he could have walked away from that call and that anointing, but it was too late for him to just walk away scot-free. The walking away would have cost him so much more than going ahead and answering the call because the line's already been drawn in the sand. You already know too much. You're never going to be happy out there in the world. It was a future that's less than what God had for you, because there's always going to be that nagging thing in your heart and in your life. What could have God done with my life? What would my life look like right now when you're on your third divorce and you're addicted and you look back and you say, What could have God done with my life if I'd have turned my heart around in that youth service? If I would have lifted up my hands and let God fill me with the Holy Ghost? If I would have repented of my sins and let God take care of it? What could my future? Have looked like. Your future is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Your eternity is worth fighting for. It doesn't matter what you have to give up. It's worth it. Your future is worth It, it doesn't matter what you have to sacrifice now. Your future is worth it. The future that God has for you is worth it. It's worth it. The only thing that would trick you is a lie of the enemy. is the bluff that says it's not worth it. But the minute you stand out on that battlefield, the minute you decide is there not a cause? This is worth fighting for. I am done playing games. I am tired of being half in and half out. My future is worth it. The minute you take that stand, then you feel the strength and the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost backing you up and gives you the boldness to say, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And you Assured that the victory is mine because I took a stand. I stood for what's right. I didn't cave to the pressure. I didn't cave to the to the friends that tried to drag me under and tell me that this wasn't worth living for God. I didn't cave to the pressure to say, Oh, you don't really need the gift of the Holy Ghost, but no, I, I sought after it. I said, My future is worth fighting for. If there's a if we're not gonna have a theme this year. But if, if I had to pick a theme right now, I would say our theme would be urgency. Urgency, because the time is short. The time is short. The Lord could come back at any moment. The Lord could come back tonight. And your soul could be required of you tonight. But even if he tarries a long time, your time as an adolescent is so short. Your time in this youth group is so short and there needs to be an urgency in your heart that says, I've got to get something from God. I've got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's worth it. It's worth fighting for. Your future is worth fighting for. I'll never forget. I was at IBC. I was in the hallway. I was standing around talking to some students, one of the professors, one of the teachers walked up and started talking to us. And he made this statement, offhanded comment. I guarantee he wouldn't remember it, but it made an impact on my life and it gave me a sense of urgency in my heart. And he said, if you don't have a prayer life now, you're not going to make it later. Talking about Bible college students. And I mean, it convicted me right to my heart. Because my prayer life wasn't great. It convicted me right to my heart. It it stuck with me. It It was a call to fight, to say my ministry was worth fighting for. But you know where I fought for it? I didn't fight for it in the pulpit at IBC getting practice preaching. I had to fight for it in my room alone. I had to fight for it when temptation arose, when nobody would know if I slipped up, when nobody would know if I made a mistake. If nobody could see what I was looking at on my phone, that's when I had to fight the battle. That's when I had to step out and call the devil's bluff and say, no, I'm going to not give in to this temptation because my future is worth fighting for. No, I'm going to take some time to read my Bible and actually participate in Word Before World and actually come to prayer meeting and actually be in the back before service prayer and actually pray when I'm back here. I'm going to actually take charge of my walk with God because my future is worth fighting for. And the last thing, your family is worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. You can make the difference to those around you. you do not under, if you don't understand what the power of one young person that takes a stand for God and what that can do to a family or to a group of friends even, then you've never tried it. Because you have incredible ability to, when you step out onto that field of battle, people will take notice. They take notice when young people take a stand for the truth. And not, not in some fake way. David could have been fake, and he could have talked a big game, but he, they, there was something in his eyes. People knew he meant it. And he actually walked out there, and the minute he took step out there, the battle was won. The battle was won, and the battle will be won in your life when you decide to take a stand. Say, Brother Jared, my family goes to church. Even so, this is your family right here. We are family, and this family is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting back temptation to be a good witness at school. It's worth watching what you send in your text messages so that you could still be a witness to somebody that maybe you texted and then you need to invite to church. And you don't want to be too embarrassed to invite them to church because of all the things you've said over text message. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for to have a clean, wholesome place where we can bring guests and where we can lift up the name of the Lord and actually feel the Spirit of God. That's worth fighting for. We are not going to be a youth group that is known as winking at sin and covering it over. If you are into sin and unrepentant, you're not going to be comfortable in Axiom Youth because we are going to fight for the truth. Because we're going to fight for righteousness. And we're going to fight for integrity. And we're going to fight to have the moves of God in the, our services. And we're going to fight to have the Holy Ghost operating when we get together. We're not, we're not going to just sweep it under the rug. We're going to take it on. We're going to take it on in prayer. We're going to take it on in repentance. We're going to take it on by making sure that you know you need the Holy Ghost. You've got to get the Holy Ghost and you've got to get the real thing. If somebody told you you got the Holy Ghost and you don't have it. You need to fight for the real thing. You need to fight for the real thing. You don't need to worry about what anybody thinks. I was in that boat. I told everybody I got the Holy Ghost because somebody told me that I did. Some adult told me that I did. And so I told my teacher, I mean, I went to a Christian school, so it wasn't as weird as it sounds. I told all my teachers, I told all my friends, I got the Holy Ghost. And I knew in my heart I didn't. But I was just believing a lie that was told to me. And so I had to, as a nine-year-old, work through that. And keep. And my parents said, Jared, we want you to just keep seeking the gift of the Holy Ghost. We want you to just keep praying for it. Just keep praying for it. Just keep asking God. You don't have to feel bad that you told people that. That man shouldn't have told you that. Just keep praying for God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And I remember I, I remember the night I was sitting there by my grandma. I sat with them that night. It was a special service. It was an IBC drama. And they did the story of Esther. Maybe it's why I like the story of Esther so much. But I was sitting there, nine years old, sitting there by my grandma. And all of a sudden, they gave the altar call. And I don't know what came over me. I lost all. I was a shy kid. I lost all inhibition. I don't know what happened. Something happened. And I just... My grandma even told me later, Jared, you just push past me. I did. I didn't even ask. Can I get out? Can I go somewhere? Whoop! I just slipped out and I was in the altar and I lifted up my hands and I didn't know who was around me. And people, those IBC students gathered around me, started praying with me. I didn't see anybody. I didn't know what was going on. And I remember I, I remember the moment that God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I began to speak in other tongues. And you know what? I thought this was worth it. I'm so glad I pushed through. I'm so glad I got the real thing. I'm so glad I didn't believe a lie and let somebody tell me that that fake horrible thing was the substitute weakness of the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad that I got the real thing because it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting in your life. It's worth desiring in your life. That's what they told me in Sunday school growing up. Getting the Holy Ghost is like nothing you've ever experienced and until you experience it, you just don't know what it's like. But it's worth it. It's worth fighting for. It's worth pushing back some awkward moments sometimes and having to close your eyes and lift your hands and sometimes it can get a little tough but even if you are not ready to do it in public, you can get in your room and say, God, I need you to fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost because the time is short. The time is now. It's an urgency in your spirit. You need to get the Holy Ghost. I need to get what God has for me. I need to get rid of this sin. In, in my life uh, and I need to follow him because your future, your family, your eternity it's worth fighting for it's worth fighting for let that God's work in your life let the Holy Ghost operate in your life and just see what all it can touch uh, what all the lives you can touch through being anointed in the, by the power of the Spirit your life is worth fighting for Your life is worth fighting for. It's worth every battle you could ever go through. It's worth every temptation you have to push off. It's worth every relationship you have to distance from. It's worth it. Axiom youth is worth fighting for. And we're going to fight for the truth. We're going to fight to be a youth group that's on fire for God. We're going to fight. We're going to use the weapons of our warfare not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're going to fight through prayer. We're going to fight through fasting. We're going to fight through Bible studies. The Lord's been challenging me to make sure that you know what's really in that word. Walking some of you through Bible studies to make sure that you know we're going to fight back Against the enemy that says this is not for young people. That there's nothing here for them. I, That's a lie. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Because there is future and there is passion in this group. There's potential that God wants to tap into and use you for the kingdom of God. But you're going to have to fight but you're going to have to give something up and you're going to have to lay down some things and just the minute you step on the battlefield, the minute your foot steps back from the comfort zone and you get to an altar and repent or you find a place to pray, you're going to feel the power and the anointing of God and you're going to know it's worth it. It's worth fighting for. If they could come to the music, I want you to be prayerful right now because I believe that God wants to do something in this place. I believe that God wants to touch somebody's life because there needs to be an urgency that rises up in your spirit. We need to put the past behind us. There's some things need to be repented of and they need to be left in the past. That's one of the greatest giants that the the Lord will use in your life is that you've messed up too much to go forward with me. And it makes people stop before they ever start. God will never forgive me. That's a lie. God will always forgive those who ask. God will always forgive those who repent. That's the most powerful tool that you have to fight anything in your life. If you're addicted to pornography, repent of it and watch what God will do. Watch what God will Nobody wants that in their life. I, I want to get rid of this. Well, repent of it. I'm addicted to this. Well, repent of it. I'm tired of having this attitude. Well, repent of it. And watch what God will do. There's nothing that God won't forgive There's nothing that God won't overcome in your life if you ask Him to. The minute you step foot on that battlefield, God says the victory is yours. There's going to be some ups and some downs, and you're going to have to keep fighting. But guess what? I see a young person that's willing to take a step. And God said, that's somebody that's after my heart right there. While everybody else is just doing what everybody else does And hiding out And nobody's calling the enemy's bluff And nobody's calling this culture's bluff And nobody's saying hey I don't have to live that way I, I don't have to find a spouse through promiscuity I don't have to live that way I, I, I can wait on God And let God give me the right person to marry I can be wholesome and righteous young person I can repent of thoughts that shouldn't be in my head And God can give me victory over them I'm going to call this culture's bluff I don't have to live that way I don't have to dress that way. I don't have to talk that way to be cool, to be accepted, to find purpose, to find a meaningful life. I'm going to call this culture's bluff. God's looking for a young person to step out on the field of battle tonight and say, hey, you know what? Young people can pray. Young people can break through to the power of the Holy Ghost. Young people can live a life of integrity. Young people, even in this generation, can live for God. God's looking for somebody to call the devil's bluff tonight. Because Axiom Youth is worth fighting for. I want you to stand tonight. This is going to be the altar call. I want you to think of this altar as the battlefield. I want you to think of it as the battlefield. And yet, it can be awkward sometimes to take a step forward. It can be awkward sometimes, and it's it's a weird thing that we do, I know, but you know what? I've been to too many altar calls to, to stop believing in the power of the altar, and stop believing in the power of stepping forward by faith and saying, God, I don't understand everything there is to understand, but I'm hungry for something from you. I'm hungry for something from you. Growing up, I had a Sunday school teacher. He's a church board member. He was one of friend uh, uh, one of my friend's dads wealthy man in the church prominent man and i'm telling you every altar call he was the first to the altar the first to the altar right there's a hands raised he was a vice president of a big company but he is down there with his hands raised and he told us in sunday school class people asked me why am i always the first to the altar and he said because if god's given out anything i want it If God's given out anything, I want it. If God's given grace and mercy, I want it. If God's given refilling of the Holy Ghost, then I want it. If God's blessing my family, then I want it. Whatever God has, I want it. I want it tonight. So, this is the field of battle right here. And I'm asking a young person if you're willing to step out and confront uh, the lies of the enemy in your life, uh, I want you to step out of this seat and I want you to make your way to this altar. And I want it to be a symbol of what's going on in your heart that says, God, I'm here to fight. I'm here to fight for my family. I'm here to fight for my future. I'm here to fight for my soul. I'm here to fight for my eternity. I will not go to hell without a fight. I will not let my friends go to hell without a fight, but I'm gonna come and repent. I'm gonna come and ask you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna give it my all tonight. That's it. Come on. Come on. Somebody needs to repent of something. Jesus.